Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Kelly Gamont, an App Camp for Girls founding volunteer, among other things. How's it going, Kelly? It's going well, Brett. How about you? Uh, I'm, I'm good. What day is it? It's Friday as we it's record Friday. this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think, I think, I think I'm doing well. I You're just, not sure? I no, I'm scattered apparently. <laughs> I know that feeling really well. That's why I'm really glad to be getting a chance to talk to you. Do you want to know what happened? I, I do. I, um, <laughs> so I've been changing meds lately, uh, trying to find something that works better than what was working. Mm-hmm. And this month I was trying a drug I'd been on years ago and couldn't remember why I stopped being on it. And then the day that I started it again, I remembered, oh, this is why I didn't want to be on it. And oh, the no. first couple of days went very poorly. So I did what I thought was the responsible thing and flushed the rest of it down the toilet and called uh. my doctor. And she's like, oh, we can give you a new script. I just need you to bring in all that's left of the one that you have. And I said <laughs> that that could be a problem. And so now I have to go the rest of the month without any ADHD meds. Oh, no. It's going to be okay. Uh, I'll just be, uh, it'll be a low work month. But fortunately, I've had a couple of very good income months preceding this. So it's just going to level out. Okay. But, That's rough, though. But I'm a little spacey. I, I, my, my attention is not what it should be. You're welcome. <laughs> I know that feeling kind of all the time. So I totally understand where you're coming from. I feel I have days when I feel super duper scattered, like no matter what, you know, even when I'm actually paying attention and trying to be on top of it and I still end up sort of a mess. Oh, it's it's worse when you uh, when you're really trying. <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. Like when you're actually trying to like put the effort into it and you can still feel like you aren't really getting anywhere. That's yeah. really hard. Yeah, it's very frustrating. So let's talk about this app camp for girls thing. Let's. What what um, what is uh what does founding volunteer mean? Well, for me, what it means is that um, in 2013, Gene McDonald, the founder of App Camp, shot me a text and said, "Hey, would you like to have lunch? It's been a while, and I have an idea. I want to bounce off of you." And so we went to lunch and she said, so I have this idea. And I said, cool, how can I help? And she said, I didn't tell you what it was yet. And I said, well, it doesn't matter. It's your idea. And uh, of course, I want to help you with whatever it is you want to do. So it turned out to be App Camp because that was um, just about the time that Jean had gone to WWDC and realized sitting in the room like for the keynote, you know, where they have all of the people who are attending WWDC in the same room that she couldn't see another woman from where she was sitting and decided to see what she could do to set about changing that. And borrowed from the rock and roll camp model of you learn an instrument and write a song and play it at the end of the week, you know, with a lot of help and, and stuff from different people throughout the organization, uh, came up with the idea of building and releasing an app an iOS app uh, in the course of a week. So we went through a couple of iterations, 
till we got to the the point where we are now. And uh, this year we held camps in Portland, Seattle, Chicago, and Minneapolis. And we're always looking to expand. And what it means for me is that as a volunteer, um, I spend a lot of time uh, working on app camp ahead of time. Um, I've accidentally become a Mac admin in the process because at some point um, I looked up and realized that we didn't really have any sort of um, device management or any sort of you know tracking of any of the machines or anything like that. And, and maybe it'd be nice if, if we were going to ship all this equipment around the country that maybe uh, we we had a better handle on some of it and made sure that it wasn't uh, easy for somebody to get one of these machines into a state where it was going to be really hard to get it back, you know, in, in some yeah. form or other. And so, uh, some, so basically that became, well, you're right, Kelly, that's a really tough problem to solve. Let us know what you come up with. So, uh, I accidentally became, I, I'm still, I still feel like I'm waiting in the Mac admin pool. I haven't jumped in yet. But uh, I'm working on that. And so I've learned that. I've learned um, some Swift basics. Like for myself, it just means that um, I'm adding loads of things to my skill set because I've got some, some Mac admin experience. I've got like all the, all the IT ex- experience I already had I use when other cities have issues and need to ask somebody about something. They usually end up calling me. This is broken. This isn't responding the way we want it to. This thing doesn't, doesn't do what it should. What can we do about it? And... Uh, yeah, and then there, there's all the parts of it that are sort of nice just for me. Like I've made a bunch of friends in a lot of places that are super great. I've uh, learned some Swift. I contribute to the app because at the end of the summer, we bundle up all of the apps that all of the teams built in all of the cities and we release them as the uh, quiz compendium. And it's 99 cents and you can see everything that was built by all of the developers who came to camp that summer. And that's one of the advantages to coming to App Camp is that at the end of, at the, end of the summer, uh, right now we're gearing up to get everything ready for release. And uh, when the app comes out, then every one of the developers who came to camp this summer will be published in the iOS App Store. Yeah. Uh, people who have been listening to this show for a long time may remember... Gene coming on years ago now mm-hmm. to talk about this. And I don't remember, I think it may have been the first or second quiz compendium that had come out uh, that she was talking about at that time. How, how many years has App Camp been going now? Uh, this is our uh, sixth summer. And we have uh, this year will be, this year will be the, the fifth compendium but the first one was 32 bit so most people can't really run it anymore and it's not available in the <laughs> store um which is is sort of like in a weird way i'm sort of proud of because it means that like app camp is sort of old school yeah because we had no no concept of like it needing to be 64 bit at the time so in a weird way i'm kind of proud of that one um and and so and what i love about them is that you never you, you're never sure what direction the actual app that they're building is going to take. So uh, they, they generate all of the artwork and the app, it's, a, it's called a, a four button app. Um, initially, we called it a quiz app. And so you get uh, five screens. Each of the screens has four buttons on it and you can choose from each one of the four buttons. And then when you get through each of the screens at the end, you've got some sort of outcome. 
Sure. And so uh, sometimes it's a quiz. Um, some of the quizzes have involved uh, when are you from, which is one that I thought was particularly clever. Uh, how long what was the uh, uh, how long would you survive in the zombie apocalypse? I think they called it Apoca Clock, <laughs> um, which was pretty great. Uh, and then there's there's some that are a little more story story oriented. So a little bit choose your own adventure. Like um, what character in a murder mystery are you? Uh, and one of them uh, this last summer, I'll give you a sneak peek of one because it's, it hasn't been released yet. It was one from from this year in Portland. Um, it's from the point of view of the dog and you have to find your owner. What happened to your owner? Where did your owner go? And so you you choose these different things on each of the screens. And then at the end, you find out what happened to your owner. Huh. And the, it's always it's super creative. It's always really funny to listen to, like to walk around the room and hear them as they're collaborating on whatever piece it is that they're doing. And uh, and, and hearing some of the conversations that come out of that. And especially when they're when they're sort of blue skying everything, you know, and like everything's on the table. They haven't nailed down a concept yet. And, and listening to them riff on what what each other is saying is always really fun. Sure. Um, it's and it's it's really interesting to see. Uh, over the course of the week, sort of how everybody kind of falls in love with camp. Like we, we do get people who uh, we've had kids who, who show up on Monday, you know, and, and they're not, they're not super into it. Like I'm here because my mom made me come or my dad thinks I need to be an engineer or whatever. And by the end of the week, they're super excited to be there. And it's really, it's really a lot of fun to watch that change. And, you know, it, in Portland, we do get people from, we get developers from a lot of different schools. So not everybody knows everybody when they get in. And so sometimes they're going in cold and they don't know any of the other people in the room. And it's always really nice to see them build friendships and, and, and hang out and start like enjoying each other's company as they do that through the week. And it's always really fun to do that. And then like, like I said, there's all the, the personal stuff, like all of the, the volunteers who work with app camp, like we all get to hang out with each other. Um, if you're somebody that works with app camp throughout the year, like you get to hang out with, with other super great people. We have, uh, you know, I get the opportunity to come do stuff like this in sort of the off season where I get to tell people about app camp and, and why it's great and why it's important. Um, and, and, and that it's meaningful, uh, I think is, is part of what, I like most about it. Uh, one of our campers, the first year of camp, um, after camp, went to school and the first week of school decided she wanted to join the computer club and walked into the room for the computer club meeting and started getting static from some of the other kids about, well, let's be honest, started getting static from the boys because she was the only girl in the room and they wanted to know if she knew this was the computer club and was she sure she was in the right place. And she said, I have an app published in the app store do you? <laughs> and they, and that was it. And you, we gave her that, like we gave her the opportunity to have that, but we also gave her the opportunity to talk about it. And it gave her the opportunity to shut that down immediately, which I thought was pretty great. And I also, uh, and she went on to uh, get an internship working on cybersecurity. Okay. So, not only is she working on cybersecurity, but she has built a cybersecurity camp. And this last summer was either the second or the third year uh, that she's been doing this camp. Oh, that's cool. And so she's gone on in like a totally different way. And and that's sort of one of my favorite, not sort of, that is one of my favorite stories because uh, 
we exposed technology as a thing to be interested in, a thing that's cool, a thing that's interesting, a thing that, that maybe she would enjoy. And she didn't go on to become an iOS developer. And, you know, but she found the, the piece of technology that she really enjoys and she has continued to pursue that. Seems like that's kind of the point. Not so much that you're building iOS developers as you are getting young girls into a more STEM stream, uh, giving them that chance to overcome the inherent sexism in the industry. Yeah. Start and, them early. Yeah. And, and sort of pointing out that there's, that there's an opportunity there. And, you know, in, in every camp, there's a different, there's a different moment for, for every one of the, the developers that come to camp. So uh, somebody realizes that you, there's a person responsible for all of the graphics in a program. Like there's a whole job that's just generating artwork for games and like never really thought about it like that until it was broken down that way. Uh, you know, when we talk, when we have the, the UI presenter people come in and talk about like what, what you do with your phone and how do you make that make sense in the context of what you're trying to do? You know, like when you look at, when you look at Instagram, how do you figure out what you're supposed to do? Well, plus means add. So that's a good example. Um, you know, how to make things, how to make things that make sense that other people can understand from the first time that they open the app and understanding what that's like and how to take that experience and turn it into something useful that makes your app better. Like that's always interesting. Uh, the person who at the end of the week, they have to pitch their app to a panel of presenters. They have to talk about their app, a little bit about how they built it, a little bit of marketing plan. And sometimes there's one person who realizes that you can build all these transitions in Keynote. And so like that's the part that they're super duper into is here's what you know, they have like strong feelings about a marketing plan or um when they find out about bug testing and realize that breaking stuff is like an entire job by itself. And sometimes <laughs> that's super exciting to people. So it's always really nice to see the, to expose those things as totally viable options. You know, like I'm sort of one of the people who's, who's kind of an example of that because I've been in technology for a long, long time, but my job is not iOS developer or Mac OS developer. Even I don't generally in the course of my regular job, I don't write code. In the course of being part of App Camp, I write very, very little code, but I'm still a person in technology. And here's the stuff that I do, and here's how you know. Here's why that's interesting to me. Here's the stuff that's that's interesting to some of the other people who you know are part of Camp. And just being able to expose that and show that it it, it can be cool, it can be interesting, it can be fun. And if it's what you want to pursue, you know, maybe it's just not a thing that you've considered before. And that's my favorite thing about Camp is just sort of giving them the opportunity to consider it in a way that maybe they hadn't before. And so our developers, when they come in, they are uh, going into eighth grade or ninth grade as of the, the upcoming school year. So everyone in camp this summer is about to become, is, is about to start eighth grade or ninth grade. And we, we try to get them, you know, early enough that high school hasn't beaten into them that there's other stuff they should be doing. Yeah. So, that's, that's a thing, right? Like, uh, oh, yes. <laughs> uh, girls that express an interest in uh, engineering paths at a young age lose that interest by the time they're in high school. Yes. Yeah. And that is part of where uh, one thing that I've heard a lot of feedback about is people who uh, people who either are curious why we are choosing uh, younger, like in most places, like if high school starts at ninth grade, like why are you taking middle school, junior high, 
you know, or very, you know, first year of high school kids instead of older ones. Well, and, and then, you know, the other piece of feedback I get from people is it's so great you're aiming for eighth and ninth graders because we've done this with sophomores, with, you know, 10th, 11th graders, and we can't get anybody. Yeah. You know, they, they've all made up their minds at that point or been, been driven out, you know, the same way my, my developer's story went, you know, are you sure you're in the right room? And, you know, high school girls not being stupid understand very quickly, like, I'm not going to get anywhere in this kind of environment. Right. (laughs) So, and, and not every, and not every woman who's interested in technology is necessarily, you know, I always, you know, like not all of them are me. Like I'm willing to kick in that door and I'm willing to ignore that dude who's just spouting off over there in the corner. And like, it doesn't bother me because I'm outgoing and because I've spent a long time in tech and I have a pretty thick skin when it comes to a lot of that stuff. So it's very easy for me to kind of stand there and be that person. And it's not that easy for everybody. And so part of why I like doing this is because this was not easy for me when I was in high school and I want it to be easier for as many people after me as possible. So let's talk about you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, as far as I can remember, we first met writing at the unofficial Apple web blog. Indeed. And I've always known you as a reserved, quiet person. <laughs> Just- just kidding. Um, but there for a second, you sounded like you said it with a straight face. So oh, I did. I'm really, I'm really good at straight faces, <laughs> dry, dry humor. Um, but you, uh, I, I actually never knew kind of your background. What, what is your, your history in the many years you've been in tech? <laughs> well, um, when I was going into the third grade. So my mom's a grade school teacher. And so I would help my mom in the summers in her classroom. Uh, I would help her put up bulletin boards or put all the books on the, on the bookshelf in the back of the room in the right order and, you know, different things like that, like little kind of grunt work stuff that would help keep me busy during the summer, but also, you know, help her get some stuff done in her classroom. So for a couple of weeks before school started, I would go do stuff with my mom. And, and for a couple of weeks after school ended, I would usually go with her um, to go help her do stuff in her classroom. And a lot of other teachers were there. And so occasionally, like my mom would would sort of labor share, you know, and and like, I'm done with stuff, you should go help this other teacher do, you know, whatever it was. And I ended up doing a lot of um, like, go for sort of stuff. It was sort of like, you know, scooter on the Muppet show. That was kind of where I was because, um, you know, like I need, you know, can you run these off for me or, you know, different stuff like that. And so, and I was in grade school, so I was about to be a third grader and the teacher next door asked my mom if I could come over and help her with a task. Uh, this teacher was over six feet tall. Uh, she was super duper nice. Um, but she wanted to know if I would be able to, uh, crawl under the desk and plug in all the cables that go to this computer that she just bought for her classroom. Because she thought technology was important. She thought computers were going to be a thing that we were all going to need to know. And she went and spent her own thousands of dollars to get an Apple IIe to bring into the classroom. Wow. So that it would just sit there and be there for kids to learn on. And so she asked if I could help her hook it up. And so she sat down with the book and told me all the things and let me look at all the pictures. And I crawled around under the desk and wired everything together and put it together. And and she had uh, like, I think it was like four, four or five floppy disks that all had the MECC logo on them. Uh, One of them was Oregon Trail. 
Sure. And uh, and that was it. Um, what, was the, <laughs> that was, what was the math game? Number munchers or something? Yeah, there was that one. And then there was a text one that was like mastermind, but it was text. And it was called yeah. Pico, Pico Pico Fermi. And <laughs> like if you got nothing right, it would say noodles. And um, <laughs> I don't remember that one. I played it. You can. T- I played it so much because I'm not going to tell you how long ago that was, but it was a long time ago. And I remember Pico Pico for me and then noodles. Um, <laughs> and it had logo. It did have logo. So I got to play with logo a little bit. And logo was amazing as a soon to be third grader, because for the first time I was the boss of a thing. Because <laughs> when you're a kid, like everybody else tells you what to do. And so you don't get a whole lot of of you get to tell anyone or anything else what to do. And I got to tell that turtle to go wherever I wanted and what to do when he got there. And I loved it. And I don't know what it was uh, about that in particular that made me so happy. But I really enjoyed like Logo and Oregon Trail and all of those things. And so... Um, the rest of the time, like when I was there, uh, when I was helping my mom that summer, uh, I would spend as much time as my mom needed for, for me to do all the stuff that she had for me to do. And then I would ask her if I could please go play with the computer in Mrs. Sharp's room. Mrs. Sharp would always let me. And that's where it all started for me, was about to be a third grader in Mrs. Sharp's room, I might add. Um, so I got to spend time with the computer there. And I, and I didn't really know... I didn't see the potential in it at the time. And then a couple of years later, we got some more computers at my school. And uh, there was one that was on a cart that one of the other teachers made a cart. So there was this one that the school bought that you could roll around from room to room. So the different teachers could sign up for time and have the computer in their classroom. And my mom would sign up for it and use the word search and the crossword puzzle. And then so I would spend time every week building the spelling words for her classroom <laughs> and the and the crossword puzzle using that week's vocabulary words for her classroom uh, because it gave me time on the computer. And then all she had to do was take it down and run it off for her class as a worksheet. And then but she didn't have to do any of the stuff to make it happen. So <laughs> she like everybody won in that scenario. And uh, and so like those things happen. We got a print shop and a koala pad at one point, you know, and able to like make graphics that you could print out with different things. And, and, uh, enter magazine came a little after that. And I started entering, typing in the stuff that was in basic in the back of the, of the, yeah. in the back of the magazine and, you know, spending ages typing that stuff into the, the Apple IIe and, and be able to run some little text game. And then, at some point, I realized that I could take what they were having me have characters do, but I could change it to whatever I wanted. And so then it became like adventures about my friends or like my brother and I off, you know, saving the world or, you know, something where my mom was was, was some sort of superhero and she would, you know, go off and like slay the dragon or whatever, you know, and, and she would sit down and play these little games, you know, that I had built. And... And like it just kind of went from there. I really, I always enjoyed technology. Um, I had that exact same experience. Like I signed up for the computer class, and you know it was very clear. Like I was the only girl, and it was very clear. Like the landscape wasn't really ready for me to be in that room yet. And so I would usually just sort of end up sitting in front of one of the computers by myself 
while everyone else was doing whatever it was that they were trying to do. And so I would sit over in the corner with one of those issues of Enter Magazine, putting stuff into the computer and trying to to figure out how to make it do something slightly different than what it was doing to start. And I just kind of went from there. Um, I always really liked technology. I got into it professionally because I was working at a coffee shop at Portland International Airport and a friend of mine said, did you know, he was like, you know a lot about Macs? And I said, yeah. And he said, you could do printer support at this place in Beaverton and they will pay you twice as much as you were making at this coffee shop. And so I went and I passed the test and it was uh, one of those contract support places. So like their whole point is that they are outsourced tech support for a bunch of different companies. So that was how I got started professionally as far as like for my day job, I do something technologically related and it was troubleshooting printers for people on, uh, I think we were on Mac OS nine Man, about time the, eight or nine. The only thing I could think of that I would like to do less would be network troubleshooting. Oh, that's because you don't remember doing scuzzy troubleshooting. Cause I did that for a stretch too. And you have to say things to people like, you know, scanners really like to be at the end of, <laughs> of a scuzzy chain. chain. <laughs> like, not it's a thing. They just prefer it, you know. So you should you should turn everything off and you should read you should juggle your entire scuzzy chain, you know, and make sure the scanner's at the end because it likes it and there's like a support category in the in the call database for scuzzy voodoo. You know, <laughs> you took everything apart and plugged it all back in again exactly the same and now it all works. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, so that's been kind of where, where I, and, and the nice thing about having been in technology for a long time, I feel like is that it gives me an appreciation for what we have now versus what it used to be. Sure. So, um, but you know, I also appreciate that I used to go to parties where nobody was taking pictures and put, you know, putting them anywhere (laughs) the rest of the world could see them when, (laughs) like while the party was still happening. So, uh, I feel like I kind of got the best of both worlds. Um, so I, but I've always really, and, and it's not necessarily like I only enjoy Apple technology. Like I'm interested in all of it. There's what I personally use, but I'm always interested in what the next move is from Android or what windows is, is unveiling, you know, because I think that stuff is cool. And I always want to know, I always want to know like where, where things are headed, what's next, you know, and like, um, you know, I didn't see the, the potential in that Apple IIe, for example, you know, as a kid. But when they unveiled the iPad and talked about what the iPad was and, and you know, here's what the iPad is and here are some of the capabilities the iPad has. Like the minute I saw it, I could see the potential in it. And I know it's been seven years, eight years, um, but we still haven't seen the, the full potential of even that original iPad. I don't think we've seen even that realized yet. And, you know, I've, I've always had a lot of opinions about technology too. And I think that's part of what, what, uh, lent, what made me so happy about being able to do stuff at Tuwa where I met you and the stuff that I do now where I talk on, you know, where I go to Mac observer and, and do other podcasts and things is because, um, I think it's very interesting to, to comment on that stuff and see where it's going and, and figure out what's, what's going on. I appreciate your youthful enthusiasm for technology. <laughs> well, and that passion definitely, it spills over into what you do with AppCamp. Uh, you really, you want to share 
that enthusiasm that you've had. You've, you've been lucky enough to have ever since third grade. Um, and, and you want to give other people that chance. I can appreciate that. Very cool. Well, part of it, that's, that's tempered a little bit, I will say, by um, having done so much tech support for so long that um, when I see new stuff, there's always kind of a moment of, <laughs> let me tell you the 19 ways that this will disappoint you. <laughs> or that this, really this will go wrong it. and I'll have to fix this for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually, for a while, I did work at a startup where... Um, my official title was software adversary, which I thought was a great title. And, um, and I broke stuff a lot. And then eventually when there were customers, I was going to be the person who built the customer support department. And so when we started having betas, uh, I started giving feedback about it and I'm like, you can't put this button here. You have to put it up there. If you put it at the bottom, people will call you. <laughs> and so like that was sort of the line was like everybody wants this button so that they can do the thing it's supposed to do so you have to put it at the top because if you make people scroll nobody's going to scroll they're not going to find it and they're going to call so put it at the top and it was really honestly that was probably really enlightening for me because I was like one of the I was like the one person who had spent a lot of time dealing with end users and customers and everyone else was people who had sort of been you know engineers back behind the scenes. Right. You know, um, so it was really illuminating for me to be like, here are the three things I want most, you know, to be fixed in the next version. And then like this other stuff can wait. And that was always like the bottom three things on their list. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm horrible at user interface, but I know that like I do all the customer support for my own apps. And there have been plenty of enlightening moments where I've realized that, yeah, the reason you can't find that is literally because it's not where it should be. I I can see it from your point of view now, but for me in building it, it, it seemed to make perfect sense where I decided to put it. Right. And the minute you make that change, you know pretty quick whether it was mm -hmm. <laughs> whether users, not like one person, but users... <laughs> Are good with it or not. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. The, we're, we're at about time for, for some top three picks, but okay. I feel like we've just barely begun to tap into the conversation. <laughs> well, we could do a pick and then do something else and like save a couple for later. We, we could see where the picks lead the conversation too. We could. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> why, why, why don't you go ahead and give us your first pick and we'll see how see how that plays out okay so my first pick is um a custom lego minifigure no minifig uh yes and <laughs> it is a custom figure of the the announced but not yet seen in an actual episode 13th doctor doctor who uh-huh and uh, I, as soon as it went live, uh, I went and bought one immediately. Uh, it's from a place, <laughs> a, a place that builds custom minifigures. Um, it, uh, minifigures.com. It's in, it's in the UK. And uh, I, I bought one immediately. And uh, she just showed up earlier this week. And I love her so much. She makes me very, very happy. Uh, for a bunch of reasons. First of all, uh, I love Doctor Who. I always did. Uh, they used to show it on PBS 
on like Sunday afternoons. And a lot of times I didn't have anything else to do. And I grew up in the wilderness and PBS was one of the channels we got pretty reliably. Sometimes if the weather was bad, the others would go out. This is back in the day when you could really, when there were four channels because they didn't have the capacity to run cable TV to where I lived. I'm 40. I remember those days. (laughs) So four channels and public, uh, public television was one of the ones that came in all the time. And so I ended up accidentally watching a bunch of, well, I accidentally ended up watching Dr. Who. And then on purpose, I went and watched a bunch of the rest of it as they would show them in the afternoons. And I really enjoyed it. And so I was very, very excited to hear, um, I have the same feeling about this doctor who this new doctor that I've had about all the the previous new doctors that I can remember, which is I want to see what happens at first because it's always kind of weird and sort of an adjustment at first. Uh, And then once they settle in, then you can have a little bit more opinion. But I did have to go uh, buy this one immediately, partly because uh, the outfit like they nailed the outfit. I think it's really cute. And uh, I was really excited to support the first female Doctor Who. So, can I can I be honest? Yes. I've only ever seen two episodes of Doctor Who in my life. Do you remember which two they were? No. Okay. I don't. I don't know. I don't have context to put them. I don't even know what what Doctor they were from. <laughs> well, if there's a madman in a floppy hat and a scarf, it's an old one. Um, no, it I was would, newer. I will, I will recommend one episode to anybody listening to this show. Uh, because number one, all you really need to know going in is that Doctor Who can travel through time. That's all you need to know. And it's called Vincent and the Doctor. And it's not, to me, it's not just um, a good episode of Doctor Who. It's not just a good episode that stars David Tennant as the Doctor. It's an hour of great television as far as i'm concerned uh it's an episode from 2010 uh they call it series five uh if you're if you're looking for that it's series five episode 10 and it's called vincent and the doctor and they end up going back and visiting vincent van gogh all right in his life and it's it's my favorite kind of of sci-fi story First of all, because it's my favorite kind of story, first of all, because my favorite kind of story is when you tell something in the margins of sort of a known event. Yeah. So I love those. Um, it, a very Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead sort of a vibe. Uh, I that That's my favorite story to read, to watch, to listen to, whatever. Uh, and this is one where um, they, they go back and visit Vincent Van Gogh, and it's super awesome. And so... Uh, you know, this is like a small piece of interaction in Vincent's life. And so that's what I that's what I really like about it. Um, it's it's a very touching episode. It's like it, it'll tug at some heartstrings a little bit, um, even if you don't have a lot of uh, character background to put into it. Yeah, because you don't need it. It's encapsulated. Um, yeah, it's it, what they call the bottle episode, like they used to do with Star Trek, you know, where you yeah. don't always need to know what's going on. It's very much like that. Uh, and it does it does stand on its own. Uh, you Like, all you really need to know about Doctor Who, you pro- everybody probably already knows, which is uh, he is a fellow who can travel through time. And as he, you know, and when he travels through time, he generally is a sidekick. And uh, the two of them go and end up visiting uh, Vincent Van Gogh. And, you know, and, and uh, this is a this is 
one of the reasons I love this episode as much as I do is because this is uh, one of the times where uh, Matt Smith, who plays the doctor in this episode, this is uh, one of the episodes where he shines. Like his performance is really, really good. And you don't need to know it. I mean, I didn't even know a ton about Vincent van Gogh really like, you know, the broad strokes, so to speak of, of his life. And, and it's just such a good episode and it's, it's, heartwarming and it's they're, they're you know i mean it's vincent van gogh we all know how it turns out um it's such a like the music is great and the performances are great and the the actor that they cast as vincent is exceptional and i just i love everything about this episode and i tell people there are two that i would recommend uh even if you're not ready to commit to sitting down and watching a whole bunch of like doctor who sort of science fiction and uh, this is the first one all and right i'm I'm kind of a marshmallow when it comes to stuff like this. I cry every time I watch it. Your uh, your wait and see attitude towards new doctors is it's how I handle all technology announcements. Every time a company <laughs> releases a new product, I don't have immediate opinions. Like I I don't get super excited or well, I get excited about possibilities just like everyone else does, but I don't yeah. immediately jump onto like naysayers or. Uh, or proponent sides of any argument because you gotta wait and see things can go either way with anything they do and i feel the same way like my first reaction depending what you know depending what it is my first reaction will be one or the other but you know my my stance is always like let's see how that goes yeah you know because you because you don't know and you know maybe something that sounds really awesome turns out to be vaporware you know we never actually see it or um, it doesn't turn out to be as great as what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. So uh, as a, a, an unrelated aside, have you ever read Lamb by Christopher Moore? I have not. It's a story that takes place in the margins of the 30 missing years of Jesus' life. Oh, my gosh. And it's this whole story about how he hooks up with a guy named, I think it's Biff. <laughs> and and they go through like all these different, like goes through... Uh, Zen training and gets into martial arts and everything, and yeah. it's hilarious. Um, Biff and Jesus have adventures. I'm into it. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would check that out. I think you'd enjoy it. Have you ever read Christopher Moore at all? Um, he did I like say... "You Suck" and "Dirty Job" and "Blood Sucking Fiends." He writes a lot think... about vampires. Yeah, I want to say I read some like ages ago. I think um, I did read some. Yeah, well, you'll enjoy it. You will. I'll check it out. I have a library of his books here. I'll send you some. Awesome. All right. So my first pick uh, is going to be the um, Colorado Tripod Company Mini Ball Head. Not so much because it's an outstanding tripod ball head, but uh, I have... So I have this old uh, Sunpack fluid head tripod. It was really nice, but I lost the quick release plate out of it. Oh no. And they don't make that plate anymore. (gasps) And none of the other ones fit it. The one that's closest is off by a good 16th of an inch and you just can't wedge it in there. Oh my gosh. So I was looking, I decided I would, I'll just replace the whole head on it. And so I started Mm -hmm. looking at ball heads, which are actually, you can get them surprisingly cheap. And so I picked up just like a $30 
mini ball head. Uh, and while it's a little, it looks tiny on this nice sunpack uh, tripod I have, I also mm. have this monopod that converts from a walking stick for like hiking. Oh, nice. And then the bottom of it, you unscrew it and it pops out into a tripod. Uh-huh. And then the the top, you flip the a cap off it, and it's a really strong magnet that you can then snap a head onto. So with this mini head that easily fits into uh, a pack, you can add a glyph to it, uh, like the i the iPhone clip. Yeah, yeah. Add a glyph to it, and then just snap that onto this hiking stick, and you have a fluid pan tripod that you can take hiking with you dang so i'm 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 into it it's cool that sounds super cool i need to update i need to upgrade my glyph i have the the previous iteration where you use like the allen wrench right yeah no the the, the one with the quick release is super nice Mm, i know yeah it's worth it quite enough occasions to use the one that i already have to feel like I need to upgrade yet. So, and we don't have Macworld anymore for me to come across them at the booth <laughs> and be like, you guys are super nice. I, I can't say no. So that's kind of like, oddly, that's how they lost the sale is because <laughs> I don't see them in person anymore. Yeah. You, um, you, you require the personal touch. I don't require, but it's certainly <laughs> a lot nicer to be like there in person and have them you know, and like, you know, we had dinner last night and here you are on the show floor and telling me, you know, here's the tripod you were telling the, the iPhone, you know, tripod, the iPhone tripod mount that you were telling me about. And yeah, it is super cool. And yeah, you are having a special at Macworld and I guess I better go home with one. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the in-person thing is my, is my, one of my favorite things about conferences in general. Like that was part of why I personally was so sad about Macworld going away. Oh yeah. Because. The in-person, like, well, and you can attest to this because we both just went to MacStock. Yeah. And it was the same. I randomly ran into this person and we had the best conversation. And that doesn't happen in, you know, an online conference or like if people are just watching you deliver a talk. Right. Over Skype yeah, or whatever. It, it was, I think for everybody, the social aspect of Macworld was what really mattered. Uh, Absolutely. The talks and everything you could totally attend through an online seminar or just read a book, but having the in-person contacts was everything. Hallway track. That's what I, that's what we always called it. And hallway track is the best track. It is. You mean sitting outside of the conference rooms? Well, not even that, but just like between sessions or whatever, you know, you can randomly run into somebody or in line at lunch or yeah, okay. whatever other like random encounter. Like, you know, it, it's not necessarily like during a session, but otherwise, you know, you go out and you're in line at lunch behind somebody that you've been meaning to talk to or, um, you know, like you decide to to go from one session to the other. And like while everybody is sort of juggling around, like you bump into somebody that you haven't talked to in a long time. And that was always like my favorite part of that's my favorite part of any conference is the opportunity to end up getting to talk to somebody that, you know, and that interaction may not have happened otherwise. Yeah, so. that's weird for as shy as you are. <laughs> Straight face again. Um, I know. <laughs> so what's your so, second pick? I'm so impressed. Uh, my second pick, let's see. My second pick, I had a link over here, is um, it's a pen. Okay. 
and it's uh, I'm probably saying it wrong, um, but it's a pen by Hi- by Pilot, like Pilot pens, and it's the Colito. It's C O L E T O, and it's the High Tech C specifically. Um, and what this is is uh, a pen body, and then uh, you can put whatever uh, pen cartridge. A- a cartridge, I guess, yeah, um, you want into it. So it can be uh, a color of ink. They come in lots and lots of different colors. Um, I've seen, I do not have, but I've seen um, a stylus. So if you wanted to, to click out a little stylus, it's a lot like the multi-pens, you know, we all remember that were like uh, black and blue and red and green. <laughs> yes, I remember. It's like that, but like I, ha- um, I, have, I have two of them and they are um, Hello Kitty of course, of pen course. bodies. Um, and, uh, and I like them because I can have um, a pen and a pencil. There's also a pencil option at the same time. And so I can have a couple of pen colors and then also pencil. So if I want to take notes in a particular color, or I want to highlight something, I can do that. But if I want to write something in pencil, I can do that too. And so uh, I really like them for this. And uh, the the related to this is when I realized that I could buy um, some some sort of crazy Japanese pen that had Hello Kitty on it. I also discovered an, a, a related one, a related uh, pencil called the Kuru Toga. And you can get these on Amazon for like a few bucks. Uh, Uniball makes them. And uh, here's what's cool about the Kuru Toga. So you've used mechanical pencils, right? Yes. And if you always hold it the same way, you get that long, sharp side. And eventually, instead of writing, you just end up slicing through the paper. Yes. So this fixes that. The 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 Uniball Kuru, K-U-R-U space. Yeah, I found T- it. T-O-G-A, Kuru Toga. Uh, the Kuru Toga has this little mechanism inside it. And so every time you lift the pencil lead and press it back down again, it rotates the lead the teeniest bit. So you never get that long, sharp side. <laughs> That's kind of brilliant, yeah. Which is also, like, awesome, fantastic, like, thank you, people of Japan, for solving this problem. Um, Because I used to hate writing with pencils because I kind of always held it the same way. And so I would always end up with the long, sharp side. And then, you know, that was no fun. So uh, I love this pencil so much. Um, I do have two of those. Only one of those is Hello Kitty. Um, But I I had one I really liked, and uh, my husband tends to be the one who picks it up the most it's like a plain gray barrel so i bought the hello kitty one so that's basically mine but he still uses the other one most of the time um it's super great and i i still try to do offline stuff because i find like if i'm if i'm trying to learn something like i'm in you know one of those max stock sessions or i'm trying to to learn by watching videos or something at home um if i write it with my hand i'm much more likely to remember it than I am if I'm just typing. So for me, like the long hand of it is also pretty important if it's something that I'm trying to remember. Like if I'm on a phone call and I'm just trying to take notes and I know I'm going to need to search those notes later anyway, I'm not worried so much about um, typing because I know like if I type, the output is going to be much faster. I type over 100 words a minute. So I can type a whole lot faster than I can scribble things down. And if I type it, it's there's a good chance I'm going to be able to read it later. So that's one of the nice things about having it um, for me about having like a nice pen I can write with or a nice pencil I can write with. Um, the the nice thing about the Kuru, not the Kuru Togos, but the um, 
the Kalito pens is that you can get a slightly narrower or broader uh, pen tip. So I like 0.4 because I'm left-handed, and that gives me enough of a line that I can read it, but it's also quick enough to dry that when I drag my hand across it, I don't end up smearing everything later. So I would like to uh, let everyone know that I think you blame this on being left-handed, but you make all your emojis backwards. Not I don't blame it on your being emoticons. It's yes, it's why. It, it's it's why you're left-handed. No, I because I am left-handed, <laughs> I make them that way. Because back in the '90s, when I got on the internet, uh, nobody cared, and so there was like this list that would go around every once in a while of like you know here's. Like, here's a Captain Picard emoji, you know, like emoticon. And like, then there would be like a wharf emoticon and it would be like the curly bracket, you know, four mm -hmm. times before the face and all these different <laughs> ones. And one of them was left-handed and it was the opposite direction. And so I started doing that and nobody really said anything because it's not like there were like emoticon laws in the 90s on the internet. It was the wild, wild west. They're not so. laws. They're regulations. <laughs> There were no ordinances about <laughs> emoticon direction in the 90s when I got my email address. And so uh, I just started doing it that way. And then I just kept doing it that way. And so that so I just sort of stuck with it. And then every every so often somebody like you is like, yeah, that's backwards. I'm like, nope, you're doing <laughs> it wrong. Uh, well, and well, that's also where my um like my Twitter name and, and micro.blog name and all that comes from is because Verso is a publishing term for when you open a book there, when you open a book to with, with a page on each side, the left hand side is Verso and the right hand side is recto. And that's like the, the root of that word. And so that's where that comes from. And so that's where I, I got did it. did not know this. I have learned something new. There you go. Amazing. All right. Um, I'm taking some notes. We, we we just covered a lot of stuff. All right. <laughs> so my second pick obviously is going to be this new keyboard sitting in front of me. Um, <laughs> I wrote a rather extensive review of this on my blog. Anyone who, looking, it's a, it's a recent post. It's called, I wrote a review of the ultimate hacking keyboard for you nerds. And this keyboard is the ultimate hacking keyboard, coincidentally called the ultimate hacking keyboard. And it is a mechanical, uh, uh, minimal layout. There's no F key row. There's no number pad, uh, to get arrow keys. You hold down a, a modifier and then your I, J, K, L become arrows completely programmable. So you can change everything oh, no. I just said. Um, <laughs> I've already, I've replaced certain keys with bright red keys and now it looks super cool and you can flip layouts and you have a, it's got a mouse mode where you can hold down a key and then IJKL actually moves your mouse around. And because it's split in half and you have two space bars, one of those becomes like the left click and there's a case button below that, that's your right click. And it is... I have never loved a mechanical. I have a thousand dollars worth of mechanical keyboards here that I've never been able to love. And this one I love. I actually have not gone back to my Apple aluminum since I got this keyboard, which is rare for me. Usually within a few days, I'm frustrated and I just want to type fast again. Mm -hmm. But this one I was instantly accurate on and 
uh, I have it so it's split in half and then tented up in the middle. Mm-hmm. So it's this super super ergonomic position for my hands. I I am I am infatuated. So mechanical keyboard. It's funny that you mentioned mechanical keyboards. Also because uh, I think I own three of the keyboards in the photo on this post. <laughs> Because uh, I have I have two Matthias keyboards and I have uh, an an aluminum Apple keyboard, the uh, non number pad flavor. Um, I have a soft spot for mechanical keyboards because of that Apple IIe where sure. I started. Yeah, and because it sounds like computing to me. Because when you have that <laughs> hardwired into you as a child, like that's what it sounds like. And uh, and so I use it. Uh, I use my full on. Uh, what's the white one called? Uh, the Tactile Pro. I use the Tactile Pro almost constantly. Yeah. Uh, it's it's my favorite. It's my favorite keyboard, and my second favorite is the Laptop Pro, which is the quiet. Right. I have with, that with one. The quiet keys. My yeah. my second favorite after this Ultimate Hacking Keyboard is the Laptop Pro. I do like that Matthias keyboard. Yes, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. I, it's not as clacky. But it's got the longer throw on the keys. Yeah. And that's the part that I really like because I always feel like my hands are tired if I type on the on the laptop, actual laptop keyboard for a long period of time because I want the key to go further than it does. And I always <laughs> thought that like the silver keyboards on the like on the G4s mm-hmm. was like a happy medium between like I, you know, you can't make the computer thicker just so you can push the keys further in. <laughs> but you can give it a decent enough action that at least you're not, you know, pounding on the logic board every time you try to type something. And that's kind of how I feel in the new ones. So then they keep coming out with like new models, right? And they're like, it's our thinnest ever. I'm "I'm never going to be interested in that keyboard, dude, ever. Yeah. Well, for me, like I, when the, when DeNovo edge first Mm -hmm. came out, like those super slimline keyboards, I was in love almost instantly. Like that was, I don't I don't need my keys to make noise, but I need to be able to feel the edges of them. Yes. And especially if I'm switching between like an, a built in laptop keyboard and then a, comu- a keyboard at my desk, I need I need to have that edge to kind of ground me as I'm adjusting my uh, touch type. Mm-hmm. And these the flatter these keyboards get and the older I get, the less I'm able to feel the edges of the keys, which is one thing I'm finding very nice about <laughs> this new full-size mechanical, not full-size, but the keys are, you know, full yeah. keycaps. Well, and, and like the more I'm less willing to compromise, I think is the rest <laughs> of it for me. Like I have enough resources to go buy a Matthias keyboard and I have a Matthias keyboard now because that's what I want to be using given yeah. the opportunity. So I do that. And it does get a little, to me, it gets a little bit aggravating when I do have to go back to the chiclet keyboard, like if I take my computer with me somewhere. But I, yeah, I want to hear more about this keyboard that you got. Well, your, your full-size Matthias has the optimized key, right? Yeah, I think so. So where, where the caps lock key is, you hold it down and all of a sudden all the letters become like arrow keys and everything? Oh, no, mine, uh, mine are both the, the number padless Right. No. I have like the mini ones, so mine doesn't have that. Okay. Um, I that idea is basically. Do you know about my hyperkey experiments? 
Yes. So I love reading them. It's that times three because now I can map uh, the mod button, my hyper key, the function key, and the mouse key. I can map whatever keys I want to all of those layers. And oh instead of translating through like carabiner and saying, when I hit these two keys, do this. Mm-hmm. Now I can actually say, send this key to my computer when I hit these. So it's programmable on the hardware side, which is dangerous for me. I spent, I, I had a, I still have an Ergodox keyboard, which is, it's six layers of programmable keyboard. And mm-hmm. I built a beast. It was <laughs> like you could hold down this key and then press this key. And then when you hit these keys, it does this. And it got to the point where I had to have maps printed out to remind <laughs> myself how to use the keyboard. And it got ridiculous and stupid. <laughs> I hit the wrong one. I've turned on the microwave. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was. I did actually have, if I like held down the... Uh, first mod level key and then S and D simultaneously it would turn on my office lights. Like things, Holy cow. things got out of hand very quickly and I spent way too much time building something I couldn't use. This is a little more limited and I've already, I've, I've put a, I've cut myself off from further customization. It does everything I need to right now. Mm-hmm. And I have already gotten used, used enough to the combinations that, when I switch to an Apple keyboard, I hit the wrong keys now. So oh. my muscle memory adapted very quickly to this one. That's good, though. It is. I, I, it made me realize I'm more flexible than I thought, because I've always come back to the Apple aluminum keyboard, mm-hmm. uh, like the previous generation one before the Magic Keyboard. Yeah. And uh, I just I felt like I was... I was old enough that I was just never going to learn a new keyboard again. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to use a mechanical at my desk, it means I have to use both because then when I take my laptop elsewhere, I'll be using the built-in keyboard. Right. So I have to be able to flip between them. And I have finally proven to myself that I can do that. I'm not as old as I think. (laughs) Well, for me, I think part of it is the difference. Like it's very obvious to me when I'm typing on the Matthias at my desk yeah. Versus the one that's attached to my computer. And right. I think that for me, I think that's what helps is just because it's such a different experience. Oh, that's right. I can tell this, you know, this is what what I'm supposed to be typing on this one. Um, I do have to tell you, I did chuckle when you did your reviews at the end of last year and or uh, your recommendations in like January and February. Yeah. And one of them was like, if you're a person who has rubbed through the letters on your keys, I'm like, Oh, Hey, that's me. Yeah. All right. So what's your third pick? All right. My third pick is the Leatherman style PS, which is a little, uh, multi-tool Leatherman style, or is it a style PS? The Style PS. It's the okay. 8-in-1. I thought it was like a knockoff. It's Leatherman style. <laughs> In the style of the Leatherman tool. No. <laughs> um, like karaoke, but uh, multi-tools. <laughs> so it's this little multi-tool that has uh, pliers. Um, scissors, screwdriver, pliers, tweezers. There's like folding-in scissors. Yeah, and this is one of those. Um, I thought you would appreciate this pick, and I'll tell you why. Because... Um, I, my previous everyday carry, cause I always had 
something in my pocket uh, was the Leatherman Micra, which is the one that when you fold it out has scissors. And I barely ever used the scissors. Uh, you know, and, and if I did need like something sharp and stabby for reasons, uh, it had a knife. And so mostly what I ended up doing was opening up the scissors just so I could get the knife out. And it was no fun. And so this is a tiny bit of difference because if you open it up, then you get pliers, which is more useful to me most of the time for if I have to open it up all the way anyway. But if you don't open it up to where the pliers are and just leave it kind of folded in its, in its uh, folded up state, you can access the tools from the outside. You don't have to open it at all oh, in order cool. to get to the nail file or the scissors or the other stuff. So if I ever need it, if I ever actually need the scissors, I don't have to open it up to get to them. And uh, it doesn't have a full-on blade in it. So that means I can take it on a plane and nobody cares. Um, and it's got like a little clip on it. It's a very small, uh, it's just under three inches when it's completely closed. And it's like an ounce and a half or something. Um it's super light. It fits in the tiny little pocket, the the, the house key pocket in your jeans. Oh, nice. Um, and it just hangs out there, and, like, it's unobtrusive. And then when you need it, it's right there. Uh, it's got, like, an, a removable pair of tweezers in it that are super awesome. Um, and I, I will point this out because somebody's going to say that this is why I'm partial. This isn't why I'm partial because uh, I liked I liked Leatherman before this. But Leatherman's a, a local company to me. They're from Portland. Tim Leatherman grew up here and. And uh, their headquarters are actually not that far from where I live now. Um, but I always liked Leatherman. Uh, my my bridesmaids' gifts when I got married were Leatherman engraved Leatherman micros for all of my bridesmaids. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you let me be in charge of stuff like that. I'm like, nobody I'm having in my wedding needs another pair of earrings. So I'm just going to do this instead. And they were all super glad. Um so that's so that's my my third pick. It's a super. No, it's, that's your. Oh, that is your third pick. That's isn't my it? third pick. Yeah, wow. it's my super useful. Um, it, it's super duper useful. It's a tiny adjustment from the micro. I think it might be lighter than my micro is because my micro always seemed really heavy. Um, and it's got like just the right amount of stuff on it. Like if I need to open tape from Amazon, I can use the nail file side because like that'll get through the tape. If yeah. I really need to, and plus and Amazon all uses really that great like paper tape now that you can rip with your finger. I love that stuff. Yeah, uh, my favorite multi-tool became the uh, Gerber shard. Oh yeah, that's a nice one. It, well, it's just you know it's a little solid piece, and it is perfect for pulling out and cutting packages open, and it's got a little tiny crowbar and yeah screwdrivers on it. I I. I liked my Leatherman. I had one of the, you know, like the switchblade style yep. pop out. I, I love that. I like that way better than the ones that butterfly open. Yeah. Um, partly just because it feels cool. That too. But also then you don't have the inside of the tool in your palm when you're using the pliers. Exactly. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this has been Everyday Carry with Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my, my last pick was a, a pleasant surprise. I, I got a new headboard for my bed and I thought, you know what this needs is a reading light. And so I went and did a little bit of searching, not a lot, ordered one that was affordably priced. And I got the Ace Goo 
A-C-E-G-O-O, no kidding. It's called the ASCU Dimmable Reading Light. And it turned out to be a spectacular light, despite the lack of proper English on the description page. <laughs> it's uh, it's touch activated. You just put your finger on it and it turns on and off. But there's an intermediate mode where it just lights up a blue ring around the touch switch, which is oh, nice. in the dark, plenty to see, uh, you know, the water, the glass of water next to your bed or whatever. Um, without being anywhere near bright enough to give you a headache. Um, plus, it's a very directional light. So if I shared my bed with anyone else, which I have learned in my old age, I'm better off not doing. Um, <laughs> but if I did, I could easily read into the night without disturbing anyone else. Uh, it's That's a, great. It's a like flexible gooseneck, and it mm -hmm. attaches directly to the headboard, so it looks classy. I got the uh, the matte black one to go on my black headboard, and I just overall very pleasantly surprised. For the That's price, great. it's been yeah. a delight. That's awesome. All right, so that's that's three picks, and we actually we we filled our time. <laughs> so I, I it sounds like maybe we need a, a second episode to dig further into the life and times of Kelly Gamont. <laughs> if you want to, I'll come back. I I would be more than happy to come back and talk to you some more. Well, absolutely. Um, how if people want to be involved with App Camp for Girls, how can they get involved? Uh, you can get involved by going to appcamp number four girls dot com, and then uh, if uh, if you, I'll tell you this: if you donate and you say that you heard about it from that you heard about App Camp from Brett's show, uh, I have a special sticker I can send you. Oh. And I will mail, yeah, I will mail you a, a sticker. You saw them at MacStock. I had one in my on my phone. Yeah. Uh, so I will send you, yeah, I will send you uh, one of those an App Camp sticker uh, if you if you donate and if you t if you say that you heard about this on Breast Show, and then um, if you want to volunteer or if you want to find out more about how to get App Camp where you are, uh, there's a contact form, you, an interest form you can fill out, and. Um, Obviously, if you if we get a whole bunch of people from one particular location who are really excited about being able to help us and you don't have to be an iOS developer to do it. Uh, if you are a person who uh, has a lot of connections in education who could help us find developers to come to camp where you are or you're a person who does a lot of event planning and you know who will have uh, space available that's in a setting where it would be easy for us to have camp for that week or if you are, you know, if you're anybody who can help in any other capacity, there's a lot of stuff that goes into camp that isn't necessarily Swift code. Um, put that together and uh, let us know. And if you recruit a few other people to help you, then, uh, you know, that helps us figure out where we're going to expand to next year. Uh, this year was our first year in Minneapolis, and we're hoping to uh, continue to expand. We would really like to do that. So you can find out more there. And uh, you can find me. Uh, sometimes on Twitter as Verso, not so much anymore. Um, we can talk about that in the next episode. <laughs> uh, you can mostly find me now on micro.blog. Uh, I can be seen on Mastodon, uh, but I haven't 
I haven't spent enough time there to feel like, yeah, you should go look me up on Macedon. Uh, so I think like that's that true too. of most of the people on Macedon right now. <laughs> yeah, there's a few people that like I've asked a couple of questions sort of in general on Macedon and gotten some good resources. But so I feel like there's like maybe half a dozen people who like really know what's up over there. <laughs> and they just keep sending out like text expander snippets of the same links every you know like once or twice a week just for the rest of the people who are there going like i don't know what's going on so uh generally uh you can find me on micro.blog i enjoy it there very much and uh do spend time there and uh you can hear me occasionally over on the incomparable network where my westworld podcast is hosted and uh yeah you can oh you can also hear me on mac observer the Daily Observations podcast, I pop up there from time to time. And when I have strong enough opinions about technology that they move me to bust out my Matthias keyboard and write them down, you can usually find that stuff at MacObserver.com. All right. Well, I appreciate your time, Kelly. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really glad we got to hang out. I want to let you know about a great opportunity for automation fans. It's the Command-D Down-Home Scripting Bootcamp this October, taught by two legendary scripters, Sal Segoyan and Ray Robertson. You can jumpstart your automation productivity in three days of intensive scripting education with limited class sizes, hands-on exercises, and plenty of personal attention. This course is designed for scripters of all levels, from someone new to scripting on macOS to the experienced scripter hungry for more. Since it's in the Atlanta area and Southern hospitality is a thing, you'll be well-fed in the evening before diving into iOS, Siri shortcuts, and the latest updates and scripting. The Command-D Down-Home Scripting Bootcamp will be held October 15th through 17th. Learn more at commanddconf.com, that's C-M-D-C-O-N-F.com. And if you use the code SYSTEMATIC, you can get the advanced entry for $200 off. So tell your boss that you'll need to skip work for a few days in order to get way more work done. They won't regret it, and if they're smart, they'll even pay for it. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of Systematic. You can find me at brettterpstra.com and as TTSCoff on every platform, including Facebook, Twitter, GitHub, Last.fm, and probably a bunch you've never heard of. Just search for TTSCOFF. You can also find Systematic on Twitter, so to tweet at me and my guest, and for updates and announcements, follow Systemcast, S-Y-S-T-M-C-A-S-T. If you're loving Systematic, don't forget to go leave an inspiring iTunes review. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.